Hello, and welcome to the Oscar Went To, the podcast that looks back at a year in film and sees what films endured, what films didn't, and attempts to figure out why. Please give it up for your masters of ceremony, Max Salim and Nick Mestad. Hello, and welcome to the Oscar Went To. I am Nick Mestad. And I am Max Salim. This week is a supplement to our 2007 episode. We are getting our scuba gear on and doing a deep dive into 2007's hit film, Ratatouille, directed by Brad Bird. Uh, Just a quick disclaimer, on the podcast, we like to look back at a year in film and decide what's aged great, what hasn't, and try to figure out why. If that sounds interesting to you, uh, I recommend that you jump back a few episodes in our feed and check out our recap of 2007, and I think listening to this deep dive will be all the more satisfying for you if you do that um this recap episode we we kind of choose a uh, a specific film and devote the entire time to uh diving into that particular film picking it apart what we liked what we didn't like and kind of analyzing uh if it stands the test of time if it's aged well etc a quick disclaimer our deep dive episodes are no holds barred uh and full of spoilers so if you haven't seen the film that we are deep diving we recommend that you stop the episode watch that film and then return to this episode so you can kind of understand it better uh, we are by no means banning you from listening to the episode if you haven't seen the film, but we highly recommend that you see the film before you listen to this episode. Or if you want a quick synopsis, there's like a rat who wants to be a cook, and then he is a cook, and then he fulfills his life as an artist in the end. So that, that's probably enough to get going here. Max, it is so much richer than that. I can already tell we have a lot to talk about. Okay, without further ado, today we are talking about 2007's Ratatouille. This was one of the few, I think, I believe the only movie of the top 10 box office earners that also made an appearance in the Oscars. Uh, Again, 2007 was a particularly crazy year in that the top 10 movies in the box office uh, were little to no no reflection in the actual uh, dramatic categories of the Oscars, save for today's topic ratatouille max have you seen this movie before watching it for i the saw show? ratatouille for the first time last night okay okay so i was on un- i was unsure i thought maybe you had seen it at least once i think before a yeah, while ago so I, interesting. I don't have any clear memory of watching it i i vaguely knew what the plot was somehow and maybe i'd watched a little bit of it and i remember mm-hmm. i i did relent to you that this was a movie in the top 10 that could be considered good when we did the the 2007 episode but in hindsight i think i was lying a little Mm -hmm. bit because i don't really remember seeing it before before last night and before we watched that episode okay well let's just get right to it what did you think i don't have a super strong take i'm i'm interested to hear what you have to say about this film because had it not won the best animated feature and had i not known that you are such a fan of it i don't i don't know that this movie would have really stuck with me that much okay so why don't you why don't we start by you telling me what you like so much about this okay okay i love many things about this movie the core of it i think i love pixar and i've loved pixar since toy story came out when i was in third grade pixar particularly specifically has been something that i've always personally really 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 been a super fan of and inspired by and i think this is maybe their best movie if not close to my personal favorite and i think the reason that is is because it has everything that pixar is known so well for uh it has beautiful animation beautiful setting the story itself is is because it's a story about an artist trying to make it and the nature of art the nature of criticism told in a story that if you saw it on paper or heard a pitch of it, it doesn't really make a ton of sense. Like, yeah, a rat wants to cook in a kitchen. And the way he does that is by finding a marionette-like operation system with a kind of silly cook. It doesn't make sense, and yet it works so well within the reality of the world. I can't think of a movie that is quite like it. Um and, and, and I, I just think it, the movie itself is very bold in in believing in that premise and delivering on it so well and going to places that are unexpected and saying things that are very acutely perceived 
and stated. It feels there's like an unapologeticness to the movie. It's not trying to bend to a cutesy sort of everyone's special and everyone can make it. it. It's sort of uncompromising yet very inspiring and assuring at the same time. It's worth noting this came out in June of 2007, right after this Wally came out, right after that Up came out, right after that Toy Story 3 came out. So I would say those four features in four years are the arguably the strongest of any studio ever in turn in terms of churning out four films for each original each super specific in and of themselves each a, a, a really kind of singular achievement in terms of the story that they're telling and ratatouille i think is is the best not only of those but maybe perhaps of any pixar output okay so i'm not a pixar hater by mm-hmm. any means i know that you know, this conversation sort of dates back to really the infancy of our yes. discussions yes. with each other. And I I like animated films and I, and I can enjoy animated films. I have always felt like animated films cannot reach a certain depth inside me that a conventional feature film can with actors. And I, I think you could also, I could also say that about films that are over the top CGI as well, that like puts you in a completely different world. Not, not a, not world building films, but like who rely so heavily on CGI that perhaps they lose some humanity along the way. So that is where I'm coming from as a animated film watcher, someone that doesn't hate them. I watch a bunch of animated films and I do appreciate a lot of them, but they're, they're a little bit second class citizens to me. Yeah. I mean, listen, I respect that take. I understand that like, we like what we like and, and, and I'm not going to be someone who's going to be like, I don't get why people, certain people have a barrier for animated movies, but I will say it bothers me and I don't quite understand it where by far you are not alone in having that mentality. I think the vast majority or certainly a significant number of adults have this feeling where animated movies, generally speaking, are for children, are lighthearted, are childlike, are can only reach a certain depth. And I think that is why animated movies so largely have to appeal to a, a young audience. They have to be family friendly. What I like about Ratatouille is that it feels close to as sophisticated as an animated movie has been. It's certainly a wide release general piece of pop animation has been where it doesn't have songs it's saying something very sophisticated and unique that I've not seen in another movie let alone another animated movie I do feel because there is this chip in a lot of people's brains where they can't jump in deep and feel the same way about an animated movie as they can about a live action movie that it just results in this sort of homogenized pigeonholed arena in which animated movies because they are so costly have to in order to make that back appeal to the most general audience possible when the most sophisticated stories can be told with animation they just have been very limited in being able to do that because of this sort of prejudice that general audiences have and the nature and how that's resulted in sort of the way that they have to be consumed which comes back to why i love this movie is because it is a big budget animated movie it is a a big you know summer release blockbuster disney pixar film and yet it is super sophisticated it is it's not bending to the family friendly necessarily or what you think of of family friendly in terms of its jokes in terms of its subject matter in terms of all this said there's a sophistication to this movie the physical comedy of the movie is so funny and unique that you you know it's rare to see that uh, type of physical comment. Sorry, I'm going all over the place right now. I will say basically <laughs> what 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 you said is I knew you were going to say that, and it and I respect it, and and uh, you know it's representative of the general I think outlook on animation from the adult movie going populace, and I think there is an element of it that is somewhat bullshit, somewhat bullshit. Okay, let's go. Let's 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 go yes, back yes, yes, a yes. little bit because I do feel like. I was brought up on animated films. Like the first films I really remember connecting to are the classic Disney films like Aladdin, Little Mermaid, Lion um, King, Anastasia, which is really good. I feel like no one ever talks about it. Not a Disney movie, but yes. Um, No, it's like I think a 20th Century Fox animation or Warner Brothers animation. Interesting. Okay, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast was nominated it for was. Best Picture. It was. First animated say. movie ever to be nominated for Best Picture, yeah. 
I acknowledge that animated films were sort of my gateway into storytelling, which I think is not an unusual take. I for sure, a lot of people, for sure. Um, feel mm-hmm. this way. And maybe it's like a lost innocence thing a little bit. But what? let me ask you, what are your favorite animated films dating back to, you know, whatever, uh, 60 years? So generally speaking, I mean, most of them are Pixar just by the, you know, the time I grew up and everything. But I would say my favorite, generally speaking, Ratatouille, Up, I love. I love Monsters, Inc., uh, I think Pinocchio is uh, maybe my favorite of kind of the golden age. Disney, Toy Story, uh, obviously, maybe has to be the top, essentially, just in terms of like the effect and timing and everything. Yeah, generally speaking, those are my favorites. I like, and I think you, you sort of spoke to this before, that Pixar movies are big, expensive, mm-hmm. heavy movies mm-hmm. to make. And because of that, they need to appeal to a, a broad audience, which is not necessarily a, a downfall of a film. Like you'll hear in a couple of weeks that we both really enjoyed rewatching Titanic, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a film that is catered to appeal to a very wide audience. So that's not necessarily um, an unsurmountable obstacle. Yeah. But there is a side effect. I'm sure there's a lot of concepts for animated films that don't fit in this bubble that will never get made that could be really interesting films yeah i will say that i i like pinocchio a lot too i tend to gravitate more to the classic disney films that have a maybe it's a nostalgia thing i also think disney films do a really good job of always having a moment that is almost too scary for yes absolutely especially those like original like golden age disney yes totally i remember you know like being fucking scared as a kid watching yeah. some of these classic yes. Disney movies. I would say yes. that my favorite <laughs> animated film of like the last 20 years is Coraline. Have you seen Coraline? Yes. Yes. No, yes. We saw Coraline Cor- together, right? We saw Coraline together. Okay. Yes. And I, and I had forgotten about your love of Coraline. So yes, this is perfect. Also came out in 2007. Coraline came out in 2007. Hang on. Maybe 2009. Because, oh, it's man, 2009. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that... I, it was 2009. I would have at least brought that up and Got you. Yeah, my bad. It was 2009. Uh, I also love Nightmare Before Christmas in the same family. Yep. It's Coraline, yep. obviously. Yep. And so I'm going to... I think that there might be something to be said that for me personally, I like these films that... The, these two films are a little bit darker than the average animated film yeah and that they are stop motion i believe which means Mm -hmm. they somehow exist in like a real setting and not just like in a drawing or in a computer yeah i'm not saying that's why i like them but maybe that is another part that attracts me i would say I, i would say those films and then as far as pixar movies i think you know toy story is super nostalgic for me definitely and i remember like when Toy Story came out, how old were we when Toy Story came out? Third grade, so like nine. Okay. And that, it was sort of mind-blowing the way I yes. remember it. Yes, same. And that same. it was superior to these drawn films almost immediately just in the way that, uh, you know, you can connect with the, the characters. They felt more real. Yes. Well, uh, yes. I mean, this is like an interesting subject matter because I think – Toy Story, because it was the first feature-length computer animated movie, it was kind of the novelty. Like it was, it was lost on audiences how good that story was as well. Like just as a screenplay, it's airtight. It's a very, very efficient, well-written story with great characters. And I feel because it was computer animated, it resulted in a lot of people being thinking that oh, computer animation is what was like. It kind of fixed everything and. Although computer animation is a fantastic new medium at the time, it also resulted in in that overshadowing how good the movie making itself was. It was this it was this like perfect storm of you had this great movie on top of it being the this unprecedented technology as well. I don't so I guess to your point, I'm saying I don't think necessarily computer animation is superior to 2d hand-drawn animation i don't think it's capable necessarily of being like more human than 2d i think there are stories to be told within stop motion within computer animation within hand-drawn animation that all they all have it's they're all different ways to tell a story and if the story is told best through a certain way animation style it should be told through that animation style i don't think one is necessarily superior to the other 
Surely. I, I'm more commenting on how mind-blowing it was as a 10-year-old yes. To, yes, see, yes. to first see these computer-generated stories. It truly, I, yeah. I will just say to follow my point up that I was making a few minutes ago that I think Inside Out is my favorite Pixar movie, and that is a movie that I do genuinely really like a lot. Word. So yes. Yeah. I, Sorry. I, not, I, yes. I don't have an op. I don't have a barrier in front of me, like being gotcha. like, I don't like Pixar movies. Like there are Pixar movies I like. Yes. Cool. All right. So let's uh, let let's start with what we liked about this film before we yes. start kind of pulling out the haymakers. Um, <laughs> on ding the ding. Nuances of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So I would love to hear like what what was one of the things that that you liked about this movie. I like the glossiness of this movie, and I will maybe have a point later uh, following up of reasons I didn't like the glossiness of it, but it is like a very, you can tell like, maybe I don't understand the craft of making an animated film as well as I do a live action film, um, but you, you can tell that the craft behind it was really strong. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. It feels like the, the mechanics and like the physics of the world are treated as real within like the animated world. Like I think of like the particular sequence of like uh, Remy going from the sewer and crawling up through the walls up outside, up onto the roof to reveal that he's in Paris, particularly as just a, a, of just a magical sequence where, you know, you have the camera following him tracking through the walls and up onto a wire, looking through a hole, looking down through a hole back. Like the the camera moves there where the camera is like kind of shaking as it's walking through the, between the walls. It it, it just feels like there are, the the camera's mimicking real world physics, but in this, just have it be in this, like uh, in a rat's world under, underneath the counters, underneath the the ovens of, of a Paris kitchen. It, It makes it all, it adds to the reality and the believability of it in a really cool way. Yeah, and it's it's weird to talk about. It's weird to laud the camera in a in a animated film, but it is. Yeah. It it does. Um, this is what an animated film should do. It should it should respect the classic art of filmmaking, but push it to worlds a world that a, a physical camera could never go. And it does a really good job of that mm-hmm. in that sequence you just talked about, and in the first long sequence in the kitchen when he's trying to escape the kitchen totally. and also cooking the soup mm-hmm. and stuff like that, that it's like, it really, it really pushes the storytelling mechanics that the animated film has in its, in its arsenal. It really pushes those in a nice way. Yes, totally. I like how there's a lot of emotion and heart into the faces of these characters. It's not just like, a facade of like, oh, isn't it funny that a rat is talking? But they mm-hmm. can actually like unlock some like human emotion in there. And I think it does a good job of like not being too realistic. Like the the rats not being too realistic of rats, but also not being and this is ridiculous to say because they're like walking and talking. No, but and you're, like no, humans, you, but you're but right. not going too far into this like totally made up anthropomorphized to be not resembling rats anymore not pushing that too far correct okay so now maybe this is clear but it's it, it's worth stating i because this i loved i saw this movie three times in theaters when it came out bought it immediately on dvd i've seen this movie many times and was have absorbed a lot of information of, about this movie over the years so that's where i'm coming from i'm not going to quell that so to your point this movie was was sort of it was a, the original idea and the development of the idea was by this uh, animator named Jan Pinkneva, who wrote and directed the short film Jerry's Game about the old man playing chess with himself. Um, that Pixar it won, it was, won an Academy Award for best short film. But he was it was this was his idea and he was developing it for years and it it ran into story problems in production and he was taken off of it and Brad Bird was brought on to see if he could he could retool it. One of the significant things that Brad Bird did was the characters that they had developed had been anthropomorphized to have their ratness kind of diminished to make them more appealing. And one of the things he did was bring was to lessen that to make them bring back their ratness and have that be reflective of the character. So it's like to your point where it's like, you know, when the ceiling busts open and all those, you know, in the French farmhouse and all the rats scurry out, it kind of makes you like squirm, you know, because it's like those look like rats scurrying and it becomes like a character choice that Remy walks on two feet because he doesn't want to dirty his hands because he cares about handling food 
and and where the other rats it's reflective of their kind of apathy that they walk on all fours because they don't care about that kind of stuff so it, it becomes sort of this this character reflection and you know whether you like explicitly you know can see that on screen or not you certainly feel it agreed agreed yeah that, that is something i like about the film you just summed it up more eloquently than i could but <laughs> yes i I liked how the humans were pushed into more of a cartoony look. I mean, Linguini, I guess, maybe intentionally most resembles like a normal human. But I do like all of these side characters from the restaurant critic Egon, correct? Ego. And Ego and the head chef in the restaurant when we arrived there. That yeah, they're skinny. like sort of endlessly fascinating to, to look at. I think that's one thing that computer animation particularly does really well because computer animation can really push the realism of something like the skin looks like skin the you know, the eyes look wet and like eyes and to be able to do that and also have it be, you know, as an extreme caricature with that realism on top of it packs a really cool, unique punch to it. I Speaking of ego, I love him he might be one of my favorite movie villains like i feel like the fact that we get a glimpse of him like at the top of the movie and then we don't see him until essentially halfway through the movie again it, his presence is really interesting and the it, him being voiced by peter o'toole is like such a like such a resonant he's such a resonant force and presence and it's just so fun to see him on screen his mannerisms his 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 characterization it, it just it looks endlessly fun and that goes back kind of broadly to the physical comedy of the movie I really love. It's so fun to see and so genuinely funny. Linguini, like when he, him and like Remy are trying to figure out in the kitchen, like how to, when they're actually in like the Gusto's kitchen, like try to figure out how to do this. And Remy's like scurrying up and down his body and you just see him like squirming and like trying to like keep it subdued in front of the other chefs to like to the point of like, you know, and then to the scene where he's like, asleep with sunglasses on it's just such good physical comedy and i feel like in animation you it's so it's so often that you see characters taken and like almost over animated where it's just like they're just doing cartoonish timing and it's just so exaggerated that it, it it's one extreme it was cool to see animate like physical comedy in an animated movie that was a little too good for a, a human to do it like if it was like maybe like a chaplain or something they could get close but like it was just pushed far enough and heightened far enough where the physicality was really really impressive but it wasn't done to the point where it was like oh yes yeah, it's clearly like an animated movie and like they're moving like cartoons and stuff it, it was a really nice balance i thought i like the op the very opening sequence too not even the opening scene with the tv it's like very a la baz Luhrmann's romeo yes. and Juliet. totally um, i thought of that like too. the slow dolly in on the tv and yeah, it does a good job of like sort of establishing the world you're going to be in for the, mm -hmm. for the film and some of the ideas and themes that you're going to be dealing with. And then it's almost surprising. Obviously, I knew this movie was about rats based on the name and the poster and all this stuff. But then it's almost surprising that you leave the glitzy, larger than life Paris and get dropped into this like sort of scuzzy farmhouse within it rat infestation that's a great point and it's like really pleasing too uh, that like once you know we get the 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 tv once it fades out of that it's a very pleasing just speaking of like camera moves in an animated movie very pleasing to have it start in the branches and we get like kind of this delicate like beginnings of a rainstorm sound and there's that quick is it a zoom? Is it a dolly in like to the farmhouse? Like it just feels like a very nice, like we start in the branches and then just come into the, to the window and then he pops out. It just feels like a very elegant, surprising kind of entry into the story. It's very, very pleasing. Yeah. And um, I mean, to go that, that goes back to what we were talking about before, but they use, you know, classic filmmaking grammar in a very elegant way to tell this story. Like just thinking about computer animation, I feel like because you know, relatively the options are almost literally limitless in terms of what you can do with the camera, with the characters, with the way they move, with the way they look. I imagine it's so easy to just go crazy with it. I think that restraint on a, from a filmmaker standpoint is is easy to, to look past, but it's really on full display in a really wonderful way in this movie. Oh, also, I just want to say, like, going back to the point of, like, this the pitch of this movie or imagining the pitch of this movie, it's not it doesn't make a ton of sense. It's like part of what I really love about this movie is that it's not like 
you know, Toy Story is phenomenal, don't get me wrong. Monsters, Inc. is phenomenal, don't get me wrong. But you can kind of see the A to B from those movies of like Toys Are Alive. What if Toys Are Alive? Or what if the monsters in our closet, it was their job? You know, it's very snappy premises to a movie that as a writer you could kind of be like it kind of ignites your imagination and it suggests all these possibilities this movie doesn't seem to have that where it's just like what if a rat wanted to be a cook and it's like okay it's a little less intuitive and nevertheless it's just this really wonderful unique movie that i i, I would if more movies were made like animated films were made with this sort of creative abandon i feel like I, it would just be wonderful to see okay so scenes what do you got i mean we touched on a couple of them i i was glad when we got away from the farmhouse but i did like the escape from the farmhouse the rats being very wet and in this scuzzy sewer uh, Mm -hmm. was like a nice world to be dropped into Uh Mm -hmm. i liked how remy is like sitting there just endlessly reading this cookbook over and over again, waiting for his family to come back. I like the first scene when we're introducing the restaurant, as I said before, and he's starting to make the soup. I like the first time Linguini and, and Remy go back to the apartment and sort of establish their their partnership. What what, what do you got? What what's what's like your favorite scene of this movie? I mean, if I had to pick favorite, it's it's the Anton ego monologue at the end. Like that that montage and that monologue is the epitome of the heart of this movie and like what makes this movie so special and unique again like Anton Ego it's like a villain who we only get a glimpse of at the top of the movie and then we don't see again for a long time he maybe has three scenes in the movie but his journey in this movie is has stuck with me it maybe to me is the most powerful aspect of the movie of just like to have this really jaded critic be stripped down and like brought back to childhood and reminded of like why he started in the first place. And then to have just like this super well articulated monologue about the nature of criticism and art and how we treat things that are new to me is like, it epitomizes art. The bitter truth we critics must face is that in the grand scheme of things, the average piece of junk is probably more meaningful than our criticism designating it. So there are times when a critic truly risks something and that is in the discovery and the defense of the new it's beautiful i mean it's truly beautiful and it just feels like truth and it the fact that that's coming from an animated movie that children are seeing that like was released broadly is so it just adds to the greatness of that I, it, it really had a strong effect on me when i first saw it and has and has lodged itself firmly into my into my being of of just memorable and poetic and meaningful it is a very nicely written closing to the movie and it does you know sort of wrap up the ideas and the themes very very nicely in a very happy way it's it's satisfying it's like it's like a very satisfying last you know five to eight minutes of the movie and i also really enjoy the scene between remy and his father outside of the rat killing rodent killing store and that argument that they have which is like takes on so much more meaning but it but ends with you can't change nature and changes nature where are you going with luck forward like that can that can so easily be saccharine but like it, it's just I, it just plays as beautiful and like the the movie again like it and this feels like very brad bird who also did the incredibles the iron giant it feels like it you know you can tell that he made this movie it's like that's a theme with him is sort of this uncompromising artist sort of mentality where it's like not anyone can cook but a great cook can come from anywhere like it's this feeling it's not like it's not mincing words it's not saying in fact it's the opposite of like everyone is special it's like no like not everyone can become a great artist but it can come from anywhere and the fact that the you know the main character is the ultimate like fish out of water is just like he's a rat who is like this undeniable talent because the movie is like and again i know this from reading about it as well but it's like a fish out of water tale a rat wants to cook in the kitchen it's like it's just like that's the most you know you can to make that about an artist trying to persevere and and make art is is just such a wonderful perfect blend i also and i said this earlier but in terms of great scenes i really enjoy the scene of him going from the sewer crawling up through the the walls i love just the it just feels like it's just operating on all cylinders where we just get like shoot me i dare you no and then the shot and then they're kissing and then the dog barking and then avoiding the mouse trap and then the like dinner party like you just get these little like it feels almost spielberg to like kind of have that like sequence where you just get like these little snapshots of life as the character is is going through and then to come out and have it culminate really in this like breathtaking moment of 
of Paris at night, it really does. It is like a magical moment and a great sequence. All right. So I'm going to segue into a criticism from that that I have of this movie. And that is that you mentioned that the filmmakers were actively trying to bring back some of the rattiness of the rats. I assume to push the idea that rats shouldn't be in a kitchen or that sure that we sort of have this natural repulsion as a human being to seeing a rat but it's also our main character so to kind of Mm -hmm. like push some of these ideas a little bit but in that same sense i'm not like a super i'm not super familiar with paris i haven't lived in paris but i have spent some time in paris and Paris is a beautiful city, and it's also pretty scuzzy city, too. Like, Paris has a lot more New York in it than you would be led to believe from popular culture. And so mm-hmm. I was disappointed that while the filmmakers were aware of trying to maintain some sense of reality in this story, that they didn't sort of indulge in the dirty, sleazy part of Paris, and more they just went with, like, the cliché beautiful breathtaking Paris that we know from popular culture that scene is breathtaking that you're talking about and it's a great mm -hmm. reveal of the city like oh because you don't even know they're in France before that scene takes place and neither do the rats I guess but but then as you get deeper into it 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 sort of plays with the glossy and not with the dirty I I think there's a lot of potential there if you're an animated filmmaker and you're telling a story about rats in a huge metropolis to sort of play with sort of those unsavory parts of a of a city so i think part of it is is because i've never been to paris i don't have that that take on it i would argue that the reason it works in the movie is because although it would be i imagine a wonderful playground to play with that scuzzy side i think like the story purpose of of paris to me it serves the purpose of being like sort of this mecca it's like a heaven for him and and kind of because it is sort of this perfect glossy beautiful flawless place it emphasizes like his ambition to be there to want to be there it's a place where it it feels like heavenly so you want to be there it's like a goal of his of it emphasizes the juxtaposition of like he's a rat he's nasty uh yet this is like this is mecca to him and this is like you know why wouldn't someone the way paris seems in the movie is why wouldn't one want to live their entire life here um yeah but even at the expense of like the reality of how it actually is in paris surely but you can still and and just like in the real paris you can still look through the brothels and the litter and these elements and see the infinite charm of the city so that 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 exists in reality and you can you can play with that in in the way you portray the city in this film sure sure You've mentioned a few times here, and I do laud animated films for understanding they need to appeal for a broad audience. And in a lot of situations, a parent is going to be bringing their kid to see these animated films. And so you need to play to adult themes or at least like some winks at a minimum, a few winks to the adults that are watching the film, but also to dive into subject matter that is interesting to kids and also to adults. And I don't feel like this film does a particularly good job of that. Definitely not as good as inside out, which is a film I kept thinking about after I saw it or even some of the older Disney movies that we, we mentioned earlier in this. So like what are those ideas that that make this interesting for an adult audience too that that you were referencing earlier? Well, I mean like to that point where it's like if, you know, animated movies have this obligation to at least wink at the older members of the audience, to me the very like subject matter of this movie is the winks aren't necessary because the subject matter itself is like sophisticated. I mean like the story of like an artist like trying to aspire to do his art yet like he everything is set up against him to do that. And then to like the movie that's about the nature of art and ambition and greatness to me is a very sophisticated concept, at least in the realm of animated movies. And so I feel like and I remember at the time, some of the criticism towards the movie was like, is this going to be accessible to younger audiences because the subject matter is relatively mature, you know, as opposed to like it's a buddy buddy comedy or like will Woody get back with his owner again? No shade on Toy Story. It's a beautiful film in and of itself. But it just be I think the subject matter of this movie is generally more mature than the run-of-the-mill animated film so to me it's like again that like feeds into like the riskiness and boldness of 
the story itself where it's like, no, we're making this like pop animated movie. And yet it seems like very risky to like tell this kind of story in that framework because it is like, again, the pitch of it is like not necessarily this intuitive, intuitively like child friendly theme, I thought. But you, you felt like it was sort I, of like Yeah, I don't childlike. feel like it's particularly sophisticated. And I don't need every film to be super sophisticated in the message mm. it's trying to tell or the way it delivers that message. But I, I, didn't, I didn't find it to be like, you know, like, so the main moral or theme of the movie is like, do what you like. And it's like, okay, yeah. See, to me, that's like, that's a watered down, like, do what you like. Because it's just like, it's also saying like, that doesn't guarantee that you're going to make it. Like, to me, it's about like, not everyone can achieve greatness, but it can come from anywhere. And it's also like, you know, you have to be willing to like, be open to new things and defend them for progress to be made. And progress is like what humanity is all about. And like the admiration that Remy has for humanity is that they don't only survive, but they create and discover. Like to me, it's, it's children can connect with that, I think. But it's also like, that's very inspiring, I thought, as a viewer to just see because it's about progress and it's about pushing the limits and following your passion. And, and if you are great, not suppressing that but following that greatness come hell or high water like perseverance like to me it's like we've heard the message if you love something do it so many times especially in animated movies and to me like this movie is one up plusing that where it's saying like that yeah but you're not necessarily going to make it like you do have to be great and it's it's kind of a doggy dog world yeah but so i agree with that but i don't think that's what the movie the, the movie is telling us that especially through ego's final monologue but it's not like we see any failure in this movie either it's not like Linguini really wants to be a chef and he's bad at it so that's just how that's how the cookie crumbles if you don't have the talent you don't have the chops you don't have the chops but he like doesn't even want to be a chef so you don't yes it's saying that but our only character is like following his passion, doing what he's love loves and he's extremely talented at it. And if 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 Remy was a bad cook and that was the point of the movie like well he followed what he loves, he followed what he loves and he just doesn't have the chops to make it in this world. That, that would be a pretty interesting harsh look at this theme, but it doesn't really play with that besides just a few lines of dialogue but not actually like in the story of the movie. Damn. Fine. God, I don't know, man. (laughs) And and like, you want to talk about like inside out. It's like, it it takes an adult, it takes adult concepts and feeds it to kids. And both the kids and the adults can be equally mind fucked by that movie. And yes. Yes. So if I'm saying inside out is one of my favorite animated movies, maybe it's unfair to compare it to this film, but just, I don't, I don't feel like it, it really gave me as a perhaps jaded adult viewer the same meat to chew on. I mean, I love Inside Out. That's a much different movie and great in its own right. I, to me, Ratatouille is like, it's it's not covering like this like massive world. It's a very specific story set in a very specific place and told extremely well, I think with like nuance and it's really saying something. And that is that like, yes, pursue what you love, but it's also commenting on like, people's ability to like adapt or be open to new things and how necessary that is for progress. I'm not going to buy that. It's like a, a smiley kind of watered down generic message. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to buy it. Okay. (laughs) Another criticism I have is that, and this is maybe to not every main character needs to have a strong arc where they change throughout the story of the film. And I think we just Mm -hmm. spoke about a movie, Michael Clayton, where our character didn't really change at all through the film. He just escaped a world or he maybe just prioritized his morals in this one situation. So it's not necessary for a good movie, but I found that like the, the arcs of the characters were sort of non-existent. The characters were largely, largely unchanged from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. Remy loved cooking yeah. And, yeah. and he's our main character and he doesn't really change at all throughout the film. Yes, yeah. his dad changes that he accepts his son's passions. Now, right, that's minor. And But he's a side character. Um, mm-hmm. Linguini doesn't really change. Maybe he becomes more bold 
or more assertive in what he's good at. Yeah, he right. But minor. But yeah, it's also a minor change. And then the biggest change is probably ego. For sure, hands down. But I don't know. I have a little issue with ego where like I feel like the majority of his villainism is executed aesthetically. He looks like an evil guy. He sits in like a dark, empty, sad room. And he, yes, he's cynical. But mm-hmm. he's a food critic. And I don't think he, he's established as a villain through these visual things I just mentioned. But just the fact that he's a harsh food critic doesn't really make him a villain. I guess. I mean, like, him saying, like, you know, at the beginning of the movie, like, you know, Gusteau says, anyone can cook, and no, I don't think anyone can do it, like, is, like, directly opposed to, like, Remy's Remy's pursuit. His villainness is certainly, like, from a, you know, from a physical standpoint, it's definitely, like, leaned into and accentuated and heightened as much as possible from his, like, design. But I would say that, like, I think, like, his very, you know, his, the core of his character is antagonistic because, I mean, him showing up and being like, prove it. You think you're great? Prove it because I'm going to, like, I'm ready to knock you down and, and you know, basically run you out of the city because he has the power to do that with his pen. To me, it felt like the villainous was, like, the villainy was was there. Okay. So I w- he's, like, a little bit more of, like, a threshold guardian, I would say, not to use too hmm. elaborate screenwriting terms, but he okay. he is there as a as a video game boss for Remy to get by, which he does, and he's <laughs> yeah. a, he's he's yeah. good in this role. But the film sort of like lacks a true villain, a true antagonist. What do you mean by true antagonist? Is a threshold is a threshold guardian a type of villain, or is a it threshold a guardian of- is not necessarily your antagonist, but it's someone that you're and. I, I don't know. I haven't taken a screenwriting class in a decade, so I might be misquoting this, but it's like someone that your main character needs to get by to, you know, fully transform into or fully achieve his or her goal. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I can get behind that. I mean, like when I think of like movie villains, I think typically, especially in animated movies, you know, there are presence throughout the movie and Anton, like the amount Anton egos in this movie is so unique to this movie where it's like, again, we see like, 30 seconds of him up top and then we don't see him again except for like three scenes at the near the end of the movie like he's absent for most of this movie and yet he is the one who delivers like the closing monologue and kind of the summation of the movie it's like very unique so I mean I could buy that like he is villainous to me it's like okay he's if he I mean he was no, no doubt antagonistic to the protagonist therefore like yeah he's a villain he okay so he's a He's an interesting character, and I I agree in the ways in which you're saying he's unique, where he, he he's in the film very fleetingly, and then he becomes the one who undergoes the greatest transformation and sort of delivers the moral of the film at the end. And mm-hmm. so I did I did like his functionality as a character, but then if he's not the villain, there's sort of like a lack of this villain, you know, and it's sort of like the original food boss, the, the original kitchen chef who does he, what's his name? Oh yeah. 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 Skinner. Skinner. So Skinner is sort of that, but maybe I'm just like a cynical adult now, but Skinner doesn't like rats in the kitchen. Fair Mm -hmm. enough. I wouldn't want Mm -hmm. rats in my kitchen of my super nice restaurant either. And Mm -hmm. so I don't hate him for that. And he also is reluctant to accept Linguini as the heir to Gusto's, but also like I wouldn't want this dipshit who just popped up at the door <laughs> and I've been working here my whole life and working to be the head chef of this place and have it all mm-hmm. taken away from me because Gusto knocked up some woman that I'm vaguely familiar with. So maybe that's some cynical adult in me, but I don't... So he is portrayed as a bad guy, but in the end, I'm kind of like, I don't know. I I mean, he's kind of got a point. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point. His attitude in general is like he's just like a dick. And also we see him basically like diluting Gusto's legacy by like farming out his name, Gusto's name to like microwavable cheap, you know, corn dogs and all that. Like, you know, that's the point of all that clearly. I think it's like, you know, as we're talking about it, it is like a very conscious effort. Like I think there, there is a general lack of like a personified singular villain in this movie, but I think it's 
personified by Skinner, by Ego, and also like the premise itself of like a rat wants to cook in the kitchen. Like that's no in that premise. There's no shortage of adversity to that. You know, it's like the environment and the belief system generally of the general public is antagonistic. To, you know that 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 rat is is has an uphill battle to say the least, given that career goal. So I think it certainly doesn't get to me that there's like a lack of a villain. Especially, like, I would argue maybe in the contrary a little bit of, like, I feel like animated movies, because they are so rigid in their structure, especially the Disney movies, where it's, like, baked into us, like, animated movie, gotta be an iconic villain, and it's, like, just not the case. That that goes back to, like, the types of stories that we are used to seeing in big animated films. This one feels, I think it's, like, a badge uh, or a notch in the movie's favor that there isn't this sort of singular iconic villain in it. I agree with what you're saying, but somehow the combination of Remy not really evolving as a character and sort of a lack of a, a villain. It doesn't make the story, in my opinion, super tightly wound. It's sort of meandering its way through this set and setting and goal that Remy wants to be accepted in the kitchen, which in the end he is. So I yeah okay. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like it, the script doesn't feel like a Rube Goldberg machine where it just like an event happens and the the thing runs away. It it feels like it sort of like meanders its way to a point, which is cute and a nice point in the end. But it, yeah, it is certainly not like this. Therefore this. Therefore this type of story. I I, I definitely agree with that. I, meandering. I I don't. I'm not on board with just because that to me suggests that it. I never at any point feel that any scene or any. The, the story has, I think, a ton of momentum to it. At no point in the movie am I sort of like checking out and being like, where are we going with this? Like, to me, it's a very compelling story, given whatever the behind the scenes mechanics are story wise. I don't know. It always comes back to like the uniqueness of the story, especially in an animated movie. Like, I can't think of a, like, a story that's quite like this in an animated movie, let alone a big budget animated movie and again that just like to me it like feeds back into the it's a bold story to tell in a big animated movie i don't agree with the meandering quality because at no point in the movie does it feel like it lacks intention or knows exactly where it's going it all feels very very motivated and very very specific and and saying something very very pointed I can definitely get behind the, like, it's not the intuitive, like, this, therefore this, therefore this. But it goes back to, it's just, like, a, the unique type of story. A story that we're not, a type of story we're not used to seeing in a big-budget animated movie, which, to me, is a notch in its favor. Agreed. It is a story we're not used to seeing in this type of film. I do agree with that point. But it's, like, like at no point does Remy need to do something because he's, like, backed into a corner or to, to advance the plot in this direction or it's like stuff kind of happens to him and he reacts to it. That, but that's like a type of movie. I mean, I feel like there, are, you know, there are movies where the protagonist doesn't change or changes incrementally definitely. and the world around them changes. And I feel like this is definitely a ladder where it's like the world around Remy changes. And that's like personified by ego. It's personified by the restaurant Ratatouille restaurant opening at the end and it being super populated by people. I feel like the, it's the general perception is the big thing that changes in this movie because Linguini, God bless him, is like helping Remy. You know, he he has nothing to lose and and Colette same. You know, where it's just like it's the world around them that that does the the one eighty. And I feel like that is is, is very heart. satisfying. The world changes <laughs> because of the heart inside these characters somehow yes yeah it's like it's like it's like it's a story of where the characters are like hey we know this thing to be true and they're trying to show it to everyone else and that's why i think like what you're saying is true about the you know protagonist not necessarily changing but i think that's why it's satisfying is that well it's because it, then it's the it's the world around them that that morphs okay yeah i don't know i i like i think i like a little bit more of a a journey especially in my animated films and this mm -hmm. yeah i mean you sort of like once you get to Paris, you sort of stick in a setting and the world around them evolves, but it sort of happens to our main characters. They don't necessarily initiate it by doing anything besides continuing to do what they love. Yeah, but I mean, it's like it's like fighting for a cause. So the movie that's coming to mind right now is when's the last time you saw Moneyball? I haven't seen Moneyball in a while. I, are you drawing a similarity between these two movies? I, I just think it, that's another story where the main character, Billy Bean, he sees something. Was it Diametrics or what is it called? Sabermetrics? Sabermetrics, yeah. It's like Sabermetrics, and it's like he changes very little in that movie, but by the end, the world changes around him, and it's it's similar to this in terms of like the type of story that is. Yes, and I... <laughs> And I find that movie equally unsatisfying. <laughs> Interesting. So yeah, yeah. Um, All right. 
yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, there's a lot about personal tastes, but this just isn't, I, I, I see why this is a unique film, especially to this genre, but it, it doesn't like scratch a lot of my itches personally. That's respectable. I, um, yeah. And like I said, I mean, this is a movie that's like as steeped as a movie can be in terms of personal effect that it had on me. I saw it opening night three times in theaters. I've seen it many, many, many times at a big profound impact on me. So rewatching it for this, I found myself, it was almost difficult to actually critically watch it because I've seen it so many times and I'm so familiar with my opinions on it. It was hard to actively be reminded of the movie and watch it in a way that was active. So I think it, it's, it's, also nice to have the balance of someone who is fresh off of it and someone who is is very very jaded to it in a way i might be like a uninteresting opposition to your love for this movie because i i'm a little bit apathetic i guess also i do want to bring up the point what do you think about this being nominated for best original screenplay was it nominated for best original screenplay yeah yeah wow uh, was Juno? Oh, Juno must have won, right? Yeah, best original yep. screenplay. Well, yeah, I like this yes, more than did. Juno, definitely. Okay, um, that's good. That's good. <laughs> and I mean, what else must have been nominated that year? Uh, um, Michael Clayton. Michael must have, Clayton. Yeah, I, I think that like Michael Clayton. Shh. Like, if you were to read these two scripts, I, I feel like you'd Michael Clayton would be more of a page turner and more like impressive writing than ratatouille mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. weird atonement was not was a uh, based on a book I'm trying to think what other movies came out this year that would be kind of considered good screenplays was diving bell nominated for anything that was also Ooh, based on a book that, i'm looking this up now okay so okay best original screenplay lars and the real girl was nominated okay that's kind of um, a throwaway movie i i did see that that's with um yeah ryan gosling right yeah, yep, yep. Okay. Um also The Savages with Philip Seymour Hoffman and um Laura Linney. Yeah, okay. Michael Clayton, Ratatouille, Juno won. So Atonement so for Best Adapted, No Country won, but Atonement was nominated, Away From Her was nominated. A movie I haven't it, yeah. said. Yeah. Diving Bell and There Will Be Blood were adapted category. Huh. Okay, I would yeah. say this is for a very strong year in film, sort of a weak year for best original screenplay. I guess um, it's not egregious that Ratatouille. I mean, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I'm genuinely surprised that Ratatouille was nominated for best original screenplay. I'm also genuinely surprised that Michael Clayton didn't win and Juno did. But we kind of spoke in the in the Juno 07 yeah. recap about the, the momentum Juno had behind it going into the those Oscars. Yes. Yes. I also will say too, I mean, I think like it being Ratatouille being nominated for best original screenplay is reflective of, and this gets lost. I feel like somewhat in time, but it is like, it really is like to see a story that's unique in the animation world told in the animated world is like this Ratatouille, like really, I felt like was a step in pushing the genre, not the genre, the medium of animation forward. Like it was like, if we can see more stories, unique stories told in animation, Ratatouille is a stepping stone in that direction, whether that was followed or not, which I don't think it really was much after the couple of years after that. It, I think it speaks to its originality and like the boldness of the storytelling that it was, it, again, it was just, we're not used to seeing a story like that in the animated world. So I think maybe that goes to speak to some of, of why it was given the accolade of the nomination for screenplay. Okay, yeah, I mean, if if, if you, you know this this medium a little better than I do, and I, I think I keep going back to Inside Out as an animated film I really like, but that had to be 10 years, nine years after. Yeah, 2015, so. 2015, yeah, okay, so if you want to tell me that, that Ratatouille breaking the mold of what we think when we think of a Pixar, an animated film, got us to Inside Out, I can, I can swallow that. But then, like, I mean, Inside Out to me would be like a far superior original screenplay, far far superior than than Ratatouille. Also, also nominated for best original screenplay. Okay. Uh, yeah, and, and and I'm with you. And I will say, like, it's not just because of Ratatouille. I think Ratatouille was on a trajectory for Pixar specifically of, you know, that Toy Story, Bugs Life, and then it was like off to the races with like Monsters Inc. Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Cars was like the only kind of like, eh. But then it's like Ratatouille, Wally, Up, Toy Story 3. Like they really, 
like with each of their movies kept pushing things to new directions. So I, you know, to amend sort of what I said, I don't think Ratatouille established that momentum, but it certainly was a bold step in, in pushing that trajectory forward. You know what another good animated film is? Hmm. Which is much more recent, but the Spider-Verse. Spider-Man it's in Phenomenal, yeah. So good. Yeah, man. Fuck. Truly so good. I would put that in my favorite animated movies, yeah. too. Yeah, And, and that That's truly like pushed... Uh, yeah, yep. I mean, that cracked uh, the medium into a whole different... Yep. You know, like, I couldn't even, like, understand what I was looking at yes. <laughs> watching that Dude, movie. I mean... Th- that that is like because it's like it's similar to Toy Story in that way where it's like it feels like really great movies Titanic going back to that even at the time where it's like it's like with like there's a certain like great movies where it's like not only is it a great story but it has that X factor element of showing the audience something they haven't seen before which feels like so difficult to do so when it happens it's just like all the more like elevates a movie all the more where it's just like oh my god what am I seeing what is possible. Cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sorry. I don't. I don't know if I was like a great podcast uh, partner with you, dude. This I, one. I. 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 Dude. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I like switching up the the dynamic. I feel sort of. It, it's it's healthy and good to to switch it up. This was this was very fun. Okay. So Max, thirteen years after this has released, how do you think this film has aged? That's an interesting question. I guess with a with an animated film because there's not like the usual visual markings that age a film, you know, whether that's wardrobe or the cars used or even like the, the, the grain in the film stock. So I guess it's aged pretty, pretty well. Like we were talking at the beginning of the episode, it does have this glossy look to it and it, it, it doesn't really look dated um, through my eyes. No. Yeah. Uh, same. Yeah. And yeah, but I guess, um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's a different answer than we'll usually, we usually give when, when we get to this point in the podcast, how do you feel like it's aged? I, I, well, I, I assume based on our conversation <laughs> very poorly. Uh, no, like, like, like wine, uh, it has aged. It's only improved with age. I feel like, I feel like, uh, yeah, for the, you know, there are the, 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 elements that are specific to animation that lends animation to be more likely to be timeless than I think a live action film. And I think that that certainly is here with Ratatouille. And I think the movie was loved at the time as we, as we discussed, but I also think it's only gotten better with age. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting to see a movie that usually animated films have like a ton of plush animal toys and you see it kind of in classrooms and you see it you know kids with the dolls this isn't that type of movie I've, I, I don't see a lot of Remy dolls but yet Ratatouille I feel like is I see Ratatouille come up in tweets probably at least once a week like it's just like fodder it's still like in the zeitgeist for whatever reason um, it's a great film and, and, and it's only gotten better with time and uh, it started off in a great position when it came out and it's only gone up so I think Ratatouille do, do you have concerns um, with the with the current COVID nineteen pandemic going on, how well it's going to age having rats cooking in the kitchen? I think that will have absolutely zero effect on the legacy of Ratatouille. If it was called Batatouille, I think it would be uh, pretty have something to worry about. But but I think uh, Remy doesn't have anything to worry about. Um, okay. All right, so uh, I think I know the answer to this, but needs to be asked did ratatouille after our discussion make your top five by any chance you've certainly given me more to appreciate you've opened my eyes and given me a little bit more to appreciate about this film however in such a strong year like 2007 i can't have a second class citizen lowly animated film cracking in my top five jesus christ just started it off like so sweet and nice making me feel like i'm contributing to society and then just absolute shot in the back okay all right great but it was your number it is in your number it is in your top five it's your number four if i recall yes number four and uh if anything it, it after this episode 
could it could maybe inch up a little bit. I'll keep it at number four. Uh, I don't I don't imagine it ever dropping out of my top five from this year. Um, it 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 it's 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 firmly in my top five. Um, and and I'll say it, one of the best films from two thousand and seven. All right, thank you all so much for listening. That just about does it for today's deep dive. Please hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast player you're listening to us on and we'd be extremely grateful and if you have a moment enjoy the show uh just leave us a good review it really goes a long way to kind of uh helping us out and enabling us to put out more episodes um we'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts uh about what we're saying or just in general um if you agree with us disagree with us uh, or just have your own hot takes please send us an email or a voice memo to the oscar went to at gmail.com and if we think you're onto something we'll play it on an upcoming episode and dissect it also if you have a film you'd like us to talk about shoot us an email and uh, tell us why you love hate that movie and we'll consider it for our next deep dive we'd love to hear from you Uh, it only makes the conversation richer so please consider reaching out if you feel compelled uh max we'd love to know someone out there is actually listening that would be very rewarding yes yes especially in these times it's just so even if you don't have a hot take or a film for us to review just just feel free to reach out and say hi we'd appreciate it Absolutely. Well, Max, that just about does it. Thank you so much. And uh, goodbye, everybody. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Peace, dude.